Anybody heard any good rumors lately? Any good gossip lately? Now, I know the people of Action Church would never gossip. Not this crowd. We wouldn't whisper about people, talk about people. But man, people love to talk. Like I find out so many interesting things about myself through rumors. I'm good for about once a month being the topic of Cherokee Connect. Somebody posts something and 500 comments later, I found out so many amazing things about me. And I always find it funny because I'm like, there's a lot of truthful things that are bad about me, you could say. But I've never understood why the kind of rumors to make stuff up. But I find it interesting. I always delight in it. I always laugh. You guys get mad at it. You'll go in there defending me. and I just sit back and pop some popcorn. Fix me a cherry Coke. You only can have cherry Coke with popcorn. That's how that's the rules. I just sit there and read them and refresh as they go down. Saw the other day that I'm a drug addict. My thought process on that is I'm way too fat to be a drug addict. That would be super easy to refute. I'm a swinger, like anybody would want to sleep with me. (laughs) My last church issued a warrant for my arrest. I live in the bar every day. Anybody that knows me knows I hate people way too much to live in a bar anytime. My favorite, though, is I'm the biggest drug dealer in Cherokee County, and I use this church as a front for that. I love that one. That one's been around for a while. I love that one. I had an affair with my seventh grade teacher while I was in fifth grade. My favorite, I don't, I don't even take a salary here, but I make almost 250000 a year pastoring this church. People love to gossip. And I just decided a long time ago that the gossip just would not bother me anymore. Matter of fact, I I decided a long time ago that I would just kind of flaunt my crazy on the front porch and I'd give them a reason to talk. Because I figure if they're talking about me, they're sparing somebody else never bothered me. I've always been the type of person that said you can't have people praise you and like that, but then get mad when people talk bad about you. You got to take both. You got to take the good and the bad. There's very few messages where I feel like I might be an expert in the subject. I feel like there's anybody qualified to talk about the dangers of gossip, the roadblocks of gossip, and why we shouldn't gossip, it'd be me. And I think it's just one of those things that needs to be addressed because nothing will destroy lives quicker than gossip. And now we have the ability to gossip like never before. We have gossip machines in our hand. We have multiple social media outlets that we can gossip about anybody. And the funny thing is we can make up anything that we want to say Put it out on the internet and somebody will believe it is true. And gossips, they come in all different shapes and sizes. Actually, over the years as I've dealt with gossips, I've learned that there's different categories of gossips. You might not even realize it. I I like the prayer request gossiper. Anybody ever dealt with the prayer request gossiper? This person gossips in the name of Jesus. Pray for Don. Starts that way always. You know, I saw him last week at the package store. Pray for him. Just, just, just keep him. Just keep him in your. You know. Look, I'm not one to gossip. If they say they're not one to gossip, <laughs> here's your sign. 
I mean, it just, it just worries me. You know, he struggled with drinking for years. I bet his wife is so upset. She told me last time I talked to her, if he started drinking again, she'd leave him. Funny, right there in that prayer request, we gossiped four times. Don was at the package store. And good for Don, he might have needed something to drink. Don struggled with drinking for years. His wife is mad at him. Oh, yeah, and his wife said she's going to leave him if he ever drink again. But we were gossiping. We were just asking prayers for Don. I like that person that I classify as the love that guy gossiper. Anybody know the love that guy gossiper? I was out the other day, and there was two teenagers at the next table. They were just railing on some dude. They weren't quiet. His dad buys him everything. Girls only date this kid because of his money. Guy doesn't really have any friends. But they wrapped it up with this. But you know something? I just love that guy. (laughs) Now, he's a hot mess. He's always in some kind of trouble. Man, that dude's got such a temper. Man, that guy is an idiot. I better feel better about myself. Man, I love that guy. Then there's that person that I classify as the never shuts up gossiper. Statistics say these are normally women, but I can't prove that. These people just love to talk. Like, you know, some people go to work to work. And then some people go to work to talk. They're always talking. They never shut up. Did you hear about so-and-so? I can't believe so-and-so did so-and-so with so-and-so. Can you believe that they were at so-and-so with so-and-so doing so-and-so? Blah, blah, blah. They're just always talking. It's like they have diarrhea of the mouth. It never shuts up, talker. You know what I heard? I mean, they're picking up the phone. They're texting. They're Facebooking. Man, they're always in on the scoop. And they never can shut up about it. You know, the telephone, tele-blank, insert whatever name you want to there. Then there's the uh, macho gossiper. Macho gossiper. This is the person who gossips, but then just kind of sticks out their chest and says, hey, I'm just keeping it real. Man, I'm just telling the truth. If they didn't want anyone to know anything, they shouldn't have told anybody. Just keeping it real, telling it like it is. Almost defiant, and they're gossiping. You know what all these have in common? Gossip. You can put a tuxedo on a pig, it's still a pig. You can wrap it up under a prayer request. You can throw the love that guy on the end of it. You can blame it on the fact that you just chatter all the time and never shut up. You can blame it on the fact and try to justify it to yourself that you just keep it real, baby. But at the end of the day, you're a damn gossiper. You flap those jaws about everybody else's business, but God forbid anybody talks about yours. And most of the time, a gossiper is the person who comes out and says they hate gossip the most. They legit act like they don't gossip when they know they do. The reality is is that we are surrounded by gossip. (laughs) You get out of service today and there'll be gossip. I love Action Church, but the reality is is there'll be gossip. I'm doing a funeral at 2 o'clock today for a buddy of mine. People for about the last 18 years of my life will be here that have known him. 
and there'll be gossip. I've already heard gossip on why he died, how he died, where he died, what he was doing when he died. Can't even die in peace anymore. People got to gossip about you. Go out to eat on a Sunday afternoon, especially on a Sunday afternoon when the church folk are out to eat. Just listen to the table next to you. They'll be gossiping. Normally about the preacher and how they didn't like the message. I mean, you can't stand in the checkout line at the grocery store without seeing the gossip rags. One of the most viewed websites in the world is TMZ. Say, what's TMZ? You know what TMZ is. Don't act like you don't. I mean, boy, they get that information quick, that gossip quick-like. Gossip is on our phone. Gossip comes through text messages. Lord knows it comes through Facebook. It happens in our neighborhoods. I just sit back and listen at the pool sometimes. Happens as we're driving down the road. They say crap happens. Reality is, you can say the same thing about gossip. Gossip happens. I've even found out that sometimes when we don't mean to gossip, we're gossiping. I said something to someone the other day, assuming in my head they knew what I was talking about. They had no idea what I was talking about. So guess what happened? It became gossip. Once they didn't know what I was talking about, I was already in at that point, and there was no pulling back, and unfortunately, it was gossip. We're all guilty of it. None of us are above it. We can act like we are, but we're not. It can happen so simple, man. Have you heard about Russ? No, I haven't heard anything. Man, what's going on with him? Man, you know, he's just struggling really bad financially right now. Man, his oldest kid's struggling with dope. They're trying to get that situation settled down. Man, man, you heard about Russ and I heard, man, he's struggling right now, man. He can't quit looking at porn on the internet. Poor Russ, I, I just can't believe that. I mean, man, you heard about Russ, wife's pregnant again. They can't afford the kids they already have. Like that's any of your business. Can you believe they're having another one? Like they answer to you about the decisions they make. And then we look at each other after saying the things, and we say, man, poor Russ. You walk away from that conversation not thinking about it again and not even realizing you've drugged Russ's reputation through the mud. Maybe you're not the one gossiping. Maybe you're the one who's been kind of burned by gossip. Maybe you shared something in confidentiality. Maybe you shared something in accountability that you would be thought that'd be kept in a secret way. Oh, BTW, baby, you tell one person, it's out there. Some of y'all should learn that. Once you, but I trusted them. <laughs> You're a fool. We ought to have people we can trust then you're a fool. You told one person something, and now you live the anxiety and fear that that one thing you told them is going to get out, and it does get out, and you're mad that it got out. You shouldn't have told them in the first place. That's a miserable way to live. Maybe so. You've been burned by gossip. You told something to someone in confidentiality, and then they only told one person, I, I shouldn't tell you, just keep this between you and me. But it wasn't your story to tell. The problem is you told one person, then they told one person, and then that one person told one person. Then that one person told one person, who told one person who has no problem admitting they're a gossip, and they tell 25 people. And then we wonder why it's out there for everyone to know. 
you shoot a text, you shoot an email to someone, and you find out it's something that you wanted to talk to someone about, and you find out it's been sent out to all kinds of people. We can be burned by gossip. We can be the ones sharing the gossip. Gossip is everywhere. And I don't think we understand just how damaging gossip is. And the reality is, is we gossip about other people to feel better about ourselves. Let me repeat that. I don't expect a lot of amens today, and I'm okay with that. We gossip about other people to feel better about ourselves. I don't want to face my demons. I don't want to deal with my dark side. I don't want to look myself in the mirror. I don't want to have to be accountable for my actions. So let me talk about other people's actions where the focus goes on their issues. Makes us feel better about ourselves. So have you ever stepped back and thought about, man, what does God have to say about gossip? Because the book actually has a lot to say about it. And at the end of the day, this is our authority and this is our foundation. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what Gary says and it doesn't matter what you think and it doesn't matter what that person says. At the end of the day, what does the Bible say? What does scripture say about gossip? And the Bible has a lot to say about the power of the tongue. If you go through and you look, you're going to see the Bible has a lot of positive things to say about our words. It has a lot of positive things to say about our mouth. The Bible says that our words can give life to people. I commented on Facebook the other day. It was a random thought I had. I said, I love you. I am proud of you. The two most powerful statements you can ever say. I didn't think anything about it. I posted it 300 likes later hundred-something comments later because the mouth has the ability, the tongue has the ability to pour life into someone, to build them up. The Bible says we can encourage people with our mouth. The mouth can be used to give life. It can be used to restore people, restore marriages, restore children. The mouth can be used to walk along with people in their journey. And build them up. The list goes on and on and on. And all of these great positive things about our tongue. But the Bible also has a lot to say about the dark side of our mouth. Has a lot to say about the dark side of our tongue. The Bible has a lot to say about the destruction that can be caused by the words that come out of our mouth. And and the language the Bible uses is really, really interesting to me. If you go through and you study out the language in regards to how it's talking negatively about the tongue, it typically signifies a very violent scenario. It uses words like dagger, swords, poisonous tips, arrows, death, destruction, and talking about the negative aspects of the tongue. Seems like I'm always talking about King David, but he's just so full of lessons in the Bible. So before David becomes king, he was on his rise to become king. He had been anointed to become king, but he yet was not king. Saul and his man Saul, who was the current king, were trying to kill David. They were angry. They were mad at him. They hated him. And they started talking all kinds of stuff about David. They began to spread gossip about David. They began to spread lies about David. They began to try to bring David down. They knew they physically could not get to David, so how do they get to him? They destroy his reputation with their mouth. They get their swords out. They get their daggers out. They begin to chase him. And so David heads to the mountains to hide out. He's going through rivers and he's hopping in caves. And at one moment in time as he's being chased, he says, you know what? I need to pull my iPad out. I need to tweet some of my thoughts. 
So he does that in the book of Psalms. He tweets his thoughts on being chased. In Psalms 57.4, he says these words. He says, I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts. He said, he said, here I am, I've been anointed king, but God hasn't yet placed me as king. These people are trying to kill me, and, and I'm living in the midst of lions. These lions are trying to destroy me. I have ravenous beasts who want to kill me. Men, don't miss this. Men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp words. Leave that up, Xander. Here's David. He's hiding out in a cave. He's being chased for fear of his life, and he doesn't address the physical nature of what is happening to him. He doesn't say that at any moment they can stab me and kill me. He doesn't say at any moment they can capture me and crucify me. He says what hurts the worst is not that they're physically chasing me, but their teeth are spears and arrows and their tongues are sharp swords. He said, all I have done is serve Saul. All I have done is try to be faithful. I killed Goliath. I have done what God has told me to do. I never asked to be king. God anointed me king. And yet now with their words, they're tearing me down. And this affected David. I I think I've told you this before. One of the biggest lies that we teach our kids is a stupid little nursery rhyme. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Hogwash. You punch me in the face, I can heal from that. But I can replay words over and over and over in my head. Gossip will destroy you. I mean, it's very violent language here. He says their teeth are spears and their arrows and their tongues are sharp swords. He's saying, man, what they're saying about me can literally ruin my life, and not only my life, the life of generations to follow. So in order to deal with gossip, we have to understand some things. We have to comprehend some things. I'm going to be all over the board today because I want to talk about some areas where you're affected by gossip, but I also want to talk about you doing the gossip. We're going to look at it in a very broad sense today because it's such a deep subject that I don't know that I can cover all of it today and I don't really feel led to do a series on it at this time. But gossip will literally destroy you. Nothing will bring divide in your relationships quicker than gossip. Nothing will bring divide in a church quicker than gossip. Nothing will destroy a company quicker than gossip. Nothing will destroy a team faster than gossip. Nothing will destroy someone's self-esteem more quickly than gossip. Nothing will destroy you more than you gossiping about others. See, we need to understand, first of all, that gossip leaves a path of destruction. I like James. James is the brother of Jesus, and he's like, man, everybody in the, in the New Testament's getting in on the subject of the tongue. He's like, I'm going to throw something in there too. In the book of James, he says this. Likewise, and he gives such a great description. He says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body. Unless you're Gene Simmons. In the grand scheme of my body, the tongue's not very big. He, he, He says, the tongue is a small part of the body but it makes great boasts. You ever been around that short guy? At that Napoleon complex? Short guys can talk more trash than anybody. I get asked all the time in my line of work, you ever thought about doing midget wrestling? It asked all the time. No. Let me, let me make it. I'll never do midget wrestling. Here's why. I've heard of the meanest people in the world. I'm trying to be funny. Everybody I've ever dealt with that's done it says it's a horrible experience. Why? Because they have a chip on their shoulders. 
They're egotistical. They've been picked on and made fun of their whole life. And so they walk around like they're six foot five. When you really can just flump them. I'm not dealing with it. Your tongue's like that midget. Is that the proper word? If there's a midget out there and that's improper, I'm sorry, little person. I've always wanted a midget. I saw this week that Jelly Roll has a midget that he met at Walmart named Little Ron that's on tour with him. I always thought it'd be good to have Little G to be preaching. And when I say, you know, the Bible says in John 3, 16, the midget's just a hype man. He's like, for God's so love. Like, he's just a hype man. I think that'd be awesome. And it's going to happen. Well, it's one of my goals when I become a millionaire. I have a midget. But they're mean. Kind of like our tongue. Tongue is the midget of your body. How about that? Things you thought you'd never hear in church. It does great damage. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Some pretty powerful words about the tongue. Some pretty powerful words about what comes out of our mouth. I I was thinking about this, and I was reading it, and I was thinking how the author used words that was very typical in that day, that the people of that day would understand. It was very gladiator-esque. It was very braveheart-esque, talking about daggers and swords and difficult things. And I, I was kind of thinking, like, what are some terms we would think of? If we were writing this verse in modern-day terms, what kind of language would God use to, to really explain it? Maybe he would say something like, man, the tongue is like a suicide bomber walking into a mall full of people. That's an image that we can understand. He'd say the tongue is like a shooter walking into a high school. That seems a little drastic. It's exactly how drastic he says the tongue can be. Though it's little, it can destroy I was growing up, and we had a kid in my neighborhood named David, and I'll never forget him. He's kind of a weird kid. He was older than me. I didn't have a lot of interaction with David. He was an 11th, 12th grader when I was about a 6th grader. I remember everybody used to make fun of him all the time, and gossip about him, and make up all kinds of stories about him. And I remember it being a Saturday, and I was outside riding my bike. All of a sudden, cop cars come flying into my neighborhood, and ambulances come flying into my neighborhood, and a fire truck comes flying into my neighborhood. And David had killed himself. He'd shot himself. At that time in my life, it was one of the first times I'd ever really experienced death, especially of someone I knew, and though I didn't know him well, I knew him. He left a note. To this day, I can remember every word of that note. Dad, I just can't handle it anymore. Seventh grade. I can't handle the teasing. Can't handle the gossip. And I can't handle the lies they make up about me. Just a little bit of gossip. Kids being kids. Seems innocent enough. So he puts that gun to his head and he blows his brains out. Because we're raising a group of kids that haven't been taught the dangers of gossip. And now it's crazier than ever again with social media. So thinking about this, it, it, it always makes me look closer at my life and realize the path of destruction that it can cause. I wonder how many times in my life I've been careless with my words. How many people have I hurt? How many people have I burned? How many stories, and pray me, not even intentionally have I spread? How many times have I just sparked something and that spark caught wind and burned everything down? My question for you is who's been hurt by your words? 
Because the reality is we're all gossips. We talk about stuff that's none of our business. And I was only talking about it to my friend. It's none of your business or your friend's business. How many relationships have ended? We all have friendships that at one point were really, really strong and maybe they're not quite the same anymore. Because of gossip. How about family members that aren't close anymore? Because of gossip. Seemed good natured, seemed fun. You're sitting around the table talking about another family member and them doing something that really has no bearing on you and it gets back to them and now you wonder why there's a severance there. Here's why, because you can't keep your mouth shut. And the Bible says this mouth will cause destruction. Well, I don't agree with what they're, you don't got to agree with what they're doing. You know what I've learned over the years? I don't have to agree with what someone's doing, but I also don't have to talk about it. It's not my business. It's not my concern. Sure, not my place to gossip about. What's crazy is that so many of us have been gossiped about and hurt by gossip, yet we still continue to gossip about others. We destroy people's characters. We hurt their feeling, and the list goes on and on and on. And right now, to be honest with you, the Holy Spirit's kind of pressing on some of you. You can remember situations. You can remember the conversation. You remember when you walked out of that party and you wish you wouldn't have said what you did. But the words came out, and you know what the amazing thing about words is once they come out, you can't put them back. It's so cheesy, it's the stupidest illustration ever, but when I was a singles pastor, a college pastor, I used to use it all the time. I used to bring two kids up, two tubes of toothpaste. I said, who can get all the toothpaste out of the tube the fastest? And they fly. One guy raised his hand like I said, no, I didn't say the contest was over. I said, now who can get it back in the tube the quickest? You ever try to put toothpaste back in the tube once it's out? Can't do it. That's the problem when we open our mouths. Once the words are out, they can't come back in. Once we say things out of our mouth, there's no taking those things back. You were hurt, I get it, but you gossiped. You were angry, I get it, but you gossiped. They were gossiping about you, so you gossiped about them. Yeah, because two wrongs make a right. We know that the tongue leaves this path to destruction. So The question becomes, how do we change things? How do we raise the bar in our life? I'm not going to live my life like that anymore. And let's just be honest. And I mean, I love Action Church, and I'm not picking on you. This is probably in every, it is in every church. Y'all love to gossip. Y'all love to have that telephone ministry, that Facebook ministry, that lunch ministry. We got together to fellowship. No, you got together to gossip. I don't like what you're having to say. I don't care. You must have me mistaken as your friend. It ain't my job to be your friend. It's my job to be your pastor, and a pastor tells you the truth even when you don't like it. There's people who don't go to this church anymore because they were gossiped about. So how do we change that? How do we move forward? The Bible says this in Ephesians, probably one of the most taken out of verses in the Bible. Actually, I get this verse sent to me once a week because I cuss. It don't have anything to do with cussing. I'm about to show you. Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That may benefit those who listen. Me dropping an F-bomb is not tearing anybody down, unless I'm F-ing to somebody else. I, I use it as an adjective, as a noun, as whatever. has very many different meanings. Unwholesome talk. What it's saying is things that tear people down. Gossiping about them. Talking about their business. It says, don't let those words come out of your mouth. Only allow things that are helpful. 
Have you heard about so-and-so? None of my business. Oh, by the way, this ain't even part of my notes, but you know why they come to you with gossip? You know why they come to you with gossip? I'm asking you a question. Do you know why they come to you with gossip? Because you listen. Funny, very rarely do people come to me about stuff like that. I don't listen. There's a bunch of you in here that have come to me. I'm like, it's not my business. What do you think about So I don't think anything about it. It's not my business. I just don't. Not my business. I don't understand it either. But it's not my business. You know what my job is to do? My job is to just love people. Some of you forgot that. Not my job. But I, I don't care. Someone came to me recently about another pastor in town. They said, do you know so-and-so? I said, I do know so-and-so. They said, well, I'm concerned about something. Oh, of course you are. I said, you probably need to go to them then. But have you heard? I said, I don't care. And then before he could say what I said, let me make something very clear to you. I don't care if he's running around on his wife. I don't care if he's snorting cocaine. I don't care what he's doing, how he's doing it. That's between him and God. It's not my business. Now, are we clear? So you don't want to hear about it. I said, none of my business. Okay. I got mad and walked away. Then he was gossiping about me, not wanting to hear gossip. I don't care. What pastor so-and-so at so-and-so church is doing ain't my business. I don't go to that church. And oh, by the way, let me go ahead and put this on camera. Every pastor in this town is doing something. It might look all different, but they're all doing something. How do you know? Because they're human. You think they become pastors and become perfect? Ephesians is talking about a filter here. He's saying when you begin to engage in conversation, you need to ask yourself some questions. What is the person's needs right now? What's going on in this person's life right now? Where's the hurt in their life? Where's the pain in their life? Where's the passion in their life? Where's the joy in their life? What is, going, what is their DNA makeup right now? How has God created them? Are they extroverted? Are they introverted? They have filler or they think you're that's a lot of questions. Yeah, it's called putting yourself in the other person's shoes. I don't learn much in the 15 years I've been going to a counselor. Something else you won't hear a pastor admit, but trust me, they all need one. But I remember my counselor early on saying, Man, you need to learn to put yourself in other people's shoes. When I put myself in other people's shoes, it changes how I communicate with them. Instead of tearing them down, I want to build them up. Now, that doesn't mean I don't speak the truth to them. Derek, have I ever spoke the truth to you? Derek, did I speak the truth to you earlier today? Yeah, you didn't. Bub, I ever spoke the truth to you? Uh huh. David Wester, you ever spoke the truth to me? Uh huh. I hate it when he does that. Sucks. But it builds you up. When you speak the truth to someone, how can you elevate them? Problem is, we want to gossip about them. <laughs> this is worth the price of admission today. You can go home after this if you want to, but I'm going to keep on preaching. We need to stop talking about people and start talking to people. It's an inconvenience to talk to people. It's an inconvenience to stop in the middle of our day, in the middle of our crazy, in the middle of our busy, and talk to people and find out where they are. So we'd rather talk about them. Oh, by the way, I'm not preaching to you today. I'm preaching with you today. I am definitely guilty of that. So we need to understand that that, that gossip leaves a path to destruction. So here's what we need to do. We need to go fix what you gossip about. 
This is key. I intentionally put this in here. I'm going to show you and back it up with Scripture. It's not enough just to stop gossiping. I'm never going to do it again. No, 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 no. You left a path of destruction. You got to go fix that. It's one of the few things that we have to go back and fix. I want to read to you from Matthew. I love Matthew chapter 5. Jesus has just come on the scene, right? It's one of his first messages that he's ever preached. People are like, man, who is this guy? Some say he's the son of God. He's saying he's the son of God. Some people think he's a rebel. I love the fact that he was a son of God and a rebel. Don't know what to think about him. So he's standing for all these people, and they're on the edge of their seat. Kind of like y'all are when I teach. No, exactly, not like that at all. Thousands of people on the edge of their seat. They're like, what's this guy going to say? Look what he says in chapter 5. He says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, he's saying, oh, don't miss this. This is so good. He's saying, if you're in the act of worship, and there, you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and reconcile to them. Then come and offer your gift. I'm going to break that down for you. That's deep. That's deep. That's how serious God takes the offending of someone else. This verse is written in the context of a relational conflict, conflict with two individuals. Now, I know nobody here has ever had a relational conflict with anybody because we just don't do that at Action Church. We're peace, love, and chicken grease. We're passive around here. We're like old hippies. We've never had an issue with anybody. The verse says, if you've done something to the point that someone has done something to you or you've done something to them and they're upset with you, he simply says, go fix it. He said, maybe you were criticizing and the words have come out of your mouth and hurt them. Maybe you've said some things about them and it's ruined the friendship. Maybe you've created an awkward work environment because you don't know how to shut up. He said, if there's something in your life that you've done and it's caused a relational breakdown, go fix it. He says, because of your gossip, because you can't control your tongue, if you've created conflict with someone, he says, go fix it. Now, here's the important part. This is the part that blows my mind. He's talking about it in the context of being in the middle of worship. He says, if you're worshiping me, maybe you're driving down the road and you've got worship music playing and you and having your Jesus time and this person pops into your mind, you turn that music off, you take a right-hand turn and you go fix it. He said, you're in church on Sunday morning and man, the band is getting with it. How about that, man? Heart of Worship, that song is 25, 27 years old. I remember when that song came out. It was revolutionary. That was one of the first modern worship songs. Here we are 27 years later, Phil's still singing and getting choked up while he sings it. You're out there, Heart of Worship, and all of a sudden you're like, man, I offended so-and-so. He said, put your damn hands down, shut your mouth, and walk across the room and fix it. He said, if you all of a sudden realize you've offended someone or hurt someone and you're in the middle of the sermon, get out of the sermon, go out to your car, get in your car, drive to their house. He says, fix it. He said, leave your gift at the altar. Go reconcile and then come back. Because what he's saying is reconciliation is more important than worship. Because you can't truly worship until you've reconciled. He's saying, take accountability for your actions. That's a hard thing to do in the day and time we live in. We don't even have a government that does that. Oh, did I say that? Oh. You want to know why we have a generation growing up who doesn't take responsibility for their actions? Because we got parents who don't take responsibility for their actions. He said, if you truly want to get to the heart of worship... You've got to go handle that issue. It's not saying you've got to go be friends with them again. It's not saying you've got to go for, you got to forgive them, but it's not saying you've got to forget it. It's not saying you've got to just move past it like it never happened, but it's saying you've got to go reconcile where you did wrong. That's deep. Deep. So much Gary doesn't get deeper. That's deep. 
Go fix it. How do I do that, Gary? You want to cleanse the destruction? First thing you do is just ask for forgiveness. What if they don't forgive me? <laughs> That's not on you. I said, you just ask for forgiveness. You don't justify it. You don't try to explain it. You just say, man, I did this and I am wrong. I recently had a situation with Christine and Bubba were at my house and I was in a mood. Imagine that. Bubba tells me he's something he was going to do. And out of nowhere, I snap on both of them, tell them how they're, I'm not even being exaggeration, how they're both dumb and idiot, real, real good friend, right? Both were idiots and blah, 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 and what a waste of their time, blah, 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 blah. Changed the whole mood in the house. Imagine that. People don't like to be called idiots. Bubba was the bigger man. He got in the car and left. Christine gets in the car. She tries to be the bigger woman, but we trapped in the car together. That went over like screen doors on a submarine. I spent 20 minutes justifying my actions. You ever just justify your actions? You know you're wrong. Like, you know you're wrong. Finally, on my terms, after I totally got deeper in it, sent both of them a long text apologizing for my actions. Didn't justify them. Didn't explain them away. Apologized. Bubba didn't respond for an entire day. He didn't respond immediately. But at the end of the day, I, didn't, I don't mean that in a mean way. I can't go back in the time machine. I don't got a DeLorean in my yard. I can't go back in time and change what I did. All I could do was apologize and try to reconcile that relationship. I had to give him space to accept it. When he finally accepted it, he responded back. Christine had to accept it immediately, but then I had this issue that she accepted it, and then she should be over it immediately. That's not how it happens. She accepted it, but she was not over it. I wanted chicken nachos after I had apologized. It was a very tense Mexican experience. Stop what you're doing and you reconcile. The reason so many people say, man, I just haven't felt worship lately. I wonder if the reason you haven't felt worship lately is because you've got a grudge and you've hurt someone and you know you've hurt someone, but your pride will not allow you to make it right. Start by asking forgiveness. Trust me, I hate that. I hate admitting I was wrong. Lucky for me, it rarely happens. but I've been careless with my words. God's brought people to my mind even this week as I've dealt with this sermon that I need to go probably deal with. Things I've said, things I've gossiped about. I'm about to do a funeral at 2 o'clock today. Dave, those of you who don't know Dave Clark passed away this week. Dave's been with us since the beginning, but Dave was also with me at the beginning of my last church. So Dave's been with me for 18 years. There's going to be a lot of people come to that funeral that I've had splits with over the years. It's not about me, though. It's about Dave, so they're more than welcome to come. But yesterday, I told Christine, I said, let me go ahead and tell you how tomorrow's going to go. I said, I ain't looking for trouble tomorrow. I said, but they want to act like something didn't happen. I'm going to let them know real, real quick. She said, you do what you got to do. Dang it, I go read my sermon today. Some of those people left because of me. Like 2%, that's about it. Other 98% was their fault. Feeling real humble today. But it's my job to make it right. It's my job to do what I'm supposed to do. You ask forgiveness. What you're doing in that situation is you're beginning to lay the groundwork to move ahead. You're raising the spiritual bar in your life. You're allowing yourself to move past some things that have been a hindrance to you. Because you know what's funny is we know when we mess up. Christine educated me on this years ago. 
He said, I don't need you to tell me when I mess up, I already know. We already know we screwed up in a situation. We need to go make it right. See, you aren't responsible for someone else's gossip, but you are responsible for yours. The Bible says in Romans, so then each of us will give an account to ourselves for God. I'm responsible for my actions, not responsible for yours. Gossip will leave a path of destruction. So when we gossip, we need to go fix it. I'm not going to stay here very long, but I want you to understand something in the context of Action Church. I told you I was going to be broad today. Gossip will destroy a church faster than anything else. It will destroy a church faster than anything else. Churches have literally been destroyed by gossip. We're to be a family. We're to be united. The Bible says over and over and over in the early church, they were in one accord. They were unified. You cannot be unified when you're gossiping about each other. How can you love someone and gossip about them? You can't. It's impossible. There's a great story in Numbers 12. Moses is leading the people of Israel out of slavery. Moses was a pimp leader, man. He was a phenomenal leader. All of a sudden, people start gossiping about him. The two biggest gossipers, funny enough, were his brother and his sister. Who's shocked by that? Miriam and Aaron, numbers one, began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife. He had married a Cushite. I, Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? They didn't like Moses' wife. Shocker. They began to say, well, God, don't we speak through him? Are we not leaders also? They, they begin to question Moses, not because of his leadership, but because of his wife. That's funny to me. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out of the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud, and he stood at the entrance of the tent, and he summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, for the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all of my house. When I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles, he sees the forms of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? He said, why were you not afraid to gossip? He said, I'm God. I anointed that person. I put a calling on their life. And let me break that down in the Gary Lamb version of the Bible. He said, who the hell are you to question what I do? Who are you to question the anointing I have on that person? The anger of the Lord burned against them and he left them. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. Think God takes gossip serious? They weren't gossiping because of, oh, by the way, gossip is rarely about the issue at hand. They questioned Moses not because of his leadership, because of his wife. They didn't like his wife. Who's he to marry that woman? So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days and the people did not move on until she was brought back. Listen to me. They couldn't move on because of her gossip. I wonder how many times this church has become stagnant and couldn't move on because of gossip. You were flapping your jaws about stuff you didn't know just because you weren't in the loop, and because of you, God put a stagnant and hindrance and a holding on a movement. So you think that happened? I don't know what happened here. We will not move forward as a church. We will never reach the potential we should be if there's gossip going on. And let me make this clear. I haven't heard any gossip. So I'm not beating you up today, but I've heard of gossip in the past. I've been part of gossip in the past. I get it. But we'll destroy a church that way. So how do we deal with gossip? And I'm done. Real simple. It's groundbreaking. It's staggering. 
It's so deep that I don't know that you can do it. You don't listen to it. You don't listen to it. Romans 16. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who call divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you have learned. Keep away from them. For not such people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites by smooth talk and flattery. They deceive the minds of naive people. People only gossip to you for one reason and one reason only. Because you listen. If you didn't listen, they couldn't gossip. Now let me go ahead and tell you something. This is a church full of imperfect people. Let's back that up. Every church in this city and county and country is a church full of imperfect people. The difference is we don't hide our crazy around here. The difference is we flaunt it out for all to see. The thing I'm most proud about this church. It's a messed up group of people. We don't see things that other churches see. I don't care about your social standing. I don't care about your sexual preference. I don't care about the skin color that you have. If you're a human being, like we talked about last week, my job's to love you. And you're welcome here. But you need to come here realizing you're sitting next to screwed up people. And the ones you think that got it together the most are the most screwed up. I said that to say this, there's plenty to gossip about. It's not our job, though. That doesn't build up. So instead of gossiping and tearing down, why don't we encourage and build up? Philippians, at the end of Philippians, verse 4, Paul's in jail. Chapter 4, not verse 4, somewhere in there. He says, finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's virtuous, whatever's good, whatever's praiseworthy, whatever's wholesome, whatever's blah, 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 blah. Think on these things. What he's saying is, there's plenty of negative things to think on. He said, but if there's any virtue at all, think on these things. That's the problem with some of y'all. You want to focus on the 20 negative things instead of the one positive. What would happen if you focused on the one positive? Maybe they'd become 20 positives. We're guilty of that. We go to a restaurant. We have a bad experience with someone. Man, we tell 10 people about a bad experience it was. We have a good experience. We don't tell anybody hardly. Someone the other day told me about someone's business. That they've got 13 negative reviews and only five positive. I said, yeah. I said, but they've also been in business 15 years and have seven crews. I said, so you're telling me that they've stayed in business 15 years with seven crews and they haven't done anything right? Or maybe just we take for granted people doing stuff right and we don't brag on that. But boy, let them do something wrong. And we're going to tell everybody. Even if it's not the truth. I think they messed up. I think they're, I think they're, they're back on the stuff. You think they are? Because that's a bold statement. I'll never forget, I pastored a church in Ames, Iowa. Very small town. And a TV, a church was on TV there. Vision in the Heartland with Gary Lamb. So everybody knew me in this small town. All of a sudden, the gossip started. To the point that in the newspaper, this guy who was very anti-God, because there's a university in town, so there's a lot of atheists, he wrote an article about the pastor on TV riding around with a young girl. For the record, I was pretty young then. I was like 25, 20. I moved there when I was 22, actually. It was my sister. <laughs> my sister had come to visit me. But boy, the backlash from that, well, that's the power of the pen. They were called Nash who I was riding around with. We've seen his wife, and that wasn't his wife. That was my sister, you idiot. 
Couldn't tell we look alike. I know we're from the South, but give me some break. Gossip. Just love to stir things up. And the problem is so many times the gossip, we don't even know if it's true. Gossip will kill your life. It will kill your marriage. It will kill your friendships, and it will kill your church. You better get it under control. Let's pray.